0: Welcome to the Money and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Nelson. My mission to empower millennial couples to make money moves that won't just improve your financial health, but strengthen your marriage as well. In this podcast, I share stories, tips, and tricks, both from my experience as a certified financial planner and from my own marriage, to help you and your spouse kick financial anxiety to the curb and use your money to create the lives you love together let's get started. All right, so I'm recording this week's episode and last week's episode back-to-back here. Um, Last week's episode was about student loans, and I I made a comment in that episode just in passing that kind of prompted the rant that I'm going to go on here today. Uh, In that episode, right, it was about student loans and some things to watch out for, right, but I I made a comment in passing about how people in the financial world, right, often when when we're giving guidance and in in videos and podcasts and blogs, right? And we're we're trying to help you figure out what to do in particular situations, right? Our answer is often it depends, right? You know, we it depends on your situation. If this is true, then that's true, et cetera, and how unhelpful I generally find that. Um but I want to be clear because I think it could be easy to hear me say that in passing and then go in a completely different direction with it. Um, The opposite isn't true either, though, right? And and the opposite of, you know, never taking a stand, never kind of offering an opinion is offering really strong and rigid opinions that never change, right? And going to extremes, right? You should always do this or always do that. Um, And there are maybe some low-hanging fruit, like some really clear decisions that it makes sense to say you should always do X, Y, Z. Um, For example, off the top of my head, you should always have health insurance, right? That's a good idea, right? Um, just in general, I don't think I'm going to um, offend anybody or, um, get anybody disagreeing with the statement of me saying like, you should always have health insurance, um, and, and certainly in an ideal world. Um, we don't always make it easy sometimes for that to be the case, but that um, that's, a, that's a whole other story, right? W- where I have bigger problems though, are for things where um, we're, we're taking a nuanced decision and making it really extreme, right? For example, right. What I often see when I talk to engaging newlywed couples or the classic example of this is whether you should combine accounts when you get married or not. And you can find very big name, very well-respected financial professionals out there who put out a lot of content, who will say you should always combine all of your bank accounts, always, right? There's there's nothing that you should ever not combine when it comes to your finances. You're in this together, you got married, you're a team. Everything should be combined, right? No black and white, or I'm sorry, it is black and white. There's no nuance, but that's just what you should do. And then you can find equally well-respected people who have different audiences and um, just have a different perspective on things. Who will say you should never combine anything when you get married. Half a marriage is end in divorce. Like why would you um, entangle your finances in in that world? And um, you know you've you've managed money on your own up until the point where you get married. Like just keep doing what works for you. Don't rock the boat. Keep everything separate always. And I I find both of those extremes to be really problematic. Right. Um, my to, to cut to cut to the chase of it, right? I firmly believe that um there is a right and wrong answer for every couple. Right. If you're listening to this and you're not sure whether you should be combining finances or not, right. My um my answer to you is that there's a clear right answer for you. It's actually not ambiguous, I don't believe. However, your right answer might be different from other people's. Um, and and when you're in doubt, I always recommend easing into the combining piece of things. Right, What's a hybrid type structure? What are the things that you do feel comfortable with combining um, to at least get started down that road and see how it feels, and then you can make adjustments as you go on. Um, here's the problem with, with the really extreme points of view on, on these things is that, I mean, frankly, like they're just, they're, they're both, they're, they're both too black and white right that neither one of those matches reality right for, for couples. Um, for example um for the people who out there who who will tell you you always need to combine all of your accounts and if you don't that means you're not working together financially you're keeping them separate you should be all in, etc right What they don't tell you in that in that lecture is that if you have a 401k, if you have an IRA, if you have a life insurance policy, right? Um, The first two of those, 401ks and IRAs, have to be individual. You cannot combine 401ks. You cannot combine IRAs. Um, Technically, you could have a joint life insurance policy. Typically, that's not the optimal approach to do, and it's not the way they're typically set up. But I can't say that life insurance policies are always individual because it is possible to have a joint one. Um, But most people don't, right? Most people have individual life insurance policies, right? There are aspects of your financial picture that are individual, right? That aren't combined. The I in IRA stands for individual, literally. Individual Retirement Account, IRA. You can't combine your retirement accounts. And so if you fast forward in your mind to the point where you're 70 years old and you're retired, Most of your money will be separate from your spouse by that point in time. If you are a retired couple, right, you might have joint bank accounts, right? But like you, you have separate retirement accounts by definition, you can't combine them. It's impossible. And if you're at that point and you're married and you have a good marriage and you're working together financially and you have shared financial goals, it probably doesn't matter right? Your marriage isn't a failure because you have separate retirement accounts. That's just, it doesn't make sense, right? And it's impossible. You can't get around it. And so therefore, if you should always combine your accounts always, or else your marriage is is, is going to suffer as a result, but you have all these separate retirement accounts, like th- those two things can't work together, right? What you do need to do is learn how to work together financially. And that I completely agree with, obviously see the previous 110 plus episodes, of this podcast for more information about how I feel on that, right? It's possible to work together financially without combining literally every single one of your accounts. And I know that's true because I know a lot of couples who work together financially and nobody can combine all of their accounts unless you literally have zero retirement accounts out there, in which case we have some bigger problems that we need to talk about because you should have a retirement account. Again, that's an example of a black and white statement that I'm making that probably isn't too controversial. So on the other hand, right, the people who um, there aren't as many I find out there who argue that everything should stay separate. But but usually when I have these conversations, it's in the context of the statistics about marriage and, right, and how, how marriages could fail down the road. And, and that to me is short sighted because like you're you're making this decision to keep all of your finances separate based on what percentage of marriages fail But the statistics are also out there that show that money stress and money fights and not working together financially is one of the causes for marriages to fail. So you're looking at the statistics out there that say that your marriage might fail. And so you're you're making a choice as a result that is going to make it more likely that your marriage will fail. Right, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Not necessarily, of course. Right, that you know, you managing money separately doesn't guarantee your marriage is going to fail. Of course, it doesn't. But but you're making choices that make that outcome at least a little bit more likely. Right? Why why would you do that? Right. I understand if you have that concern. Right. You, you're not just going to decide. Okay, we're all in. We're going to just combine everything. Um, mindlessly, right? But my question for you is, right, knowing the statistics about how financial arguments and financial disagreements and not being on the same financial page affects the outcome of marriages, right? What are you going to do to start working together financially, to start learning how to manage money more effectively with your spouse, right? That's the important question you need to ask, not how do we keep everything separate. Um, and in that case, right? I, again, I, I I hinted to my suggestion earlier, right? What are the things that you might feel comfortable combining, or under what conditions would you feel comfortable combining some of your money, right? What 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 is the thing that's holding you back specifically, so that then we can work through that and get to the point where you're you're able to start combining things, right? I um I, there's only been one case that I've ever seen where I have actually explicitly recommended that couples keep everything separate. Um, I'm not going to go into too many, de- I, I think it's impossible to un- properly anonymize that particular case study. So I'm not going to talk about it here, um, just out of respect for for their privacy. But, you know, like there are cases that I could come up with where it might make sense to keep everything separate. Um, I will say that second marriages um, where kids from previous marriages are involved are um, a more a, a case where that's a little bit more complex and something like that might make sense. Um, but even that doesn't necessarily guarantee that it's going to make sense, right? Again, like even in those types of, of circumstances, right, what sort of financial architecture can we put in place to protect the things that need to be protecting to keep separate what needs to be kept separate to protect some other interests um, while also allowing you to start moving forward financially? With your spouse, right? That's what we need to be working toward here. And it is possible to do that under a variety of different account structures, right? Um, that doesn't mean there isn't an optimal choice for your family because I believe that there is. Um, if you're in doubt, um, start working through a, a hybrid type option, a his, hers, ours, or yours, mine, ours type account structure. I go into detail of that in chapter 11 of my book. Um, if you had to marriage slash free chapter, you can actually download that chapter for free, um, to, to get you started, but, but that's, that's what you want to be thinking through here, right? How do we make the right choice for us? And if you're listening to people who are telling you, you should always do this, you should always do that. Um, the question is why, right? Why are they giving you that guidance and and what are they missing? Because odds are, right? They're probably missing something. Hopefully this helps and we'll see you for next week's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the money and marriage podcast. If you want to learn more, you can access my favorite money exercise for free. If you head to paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage Again, that's paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage. Get your access today and I'll see you next time.